Okay, come on in and grab a seat. We're going to get started. This is our eighth class. So we'll be reviewing question seven and then introducing and learning question eight. Let me pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thanks for the day that you've given us. We know that you've made it and we want to obey you and rejoice and be glad in it. I'm thankful for all the people you've brought safely here, all the blessings that we've already had today that we don't want to take for granted. And now thank you that we get to open up your word and stand on the shoulders of godly men and women who've gone before us and think about what it is that your word teaches to be encouraged, to be helped. So bless our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. I forgot the... Um, I forgot my iPad today, so I've got this small screen. Okay. So let's do a quick review. You made it. I didn't hear anything. I thought maybe you got eaten by a shark. Uh, Rob participated in the, what do they call it, the Alcatraz swim? Sort of, yeah, they switched the course. Okay. Alex did a good job. Okay. Well, good job, Alex. <laughs> Here you go, Alex. There's some gum. <laughs> no gum for you. <laughs> no soup. <laughs> okay. We got six questions. So let's do a quick review and I'll I'll put them. Would you rather I put them up there? Or the answer, don't put them up there. Put them up there. Don't put them up there. Don't put them up. All right. <laughs> Josh says don't. OK. Question one, what is our only hope in life and death that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death? to God, and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Question two, what is God? God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in His power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through Him and by His will. Question three. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Question four. How and why did God create us? God created us, male and female, in His own image to know Him, love Him, live with Him, and glorify Him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to His glory. Question five, what else did God create? God created all things by His powerful Word, and all His creation was very good. 
Everything flourished under His loving rule. Question 6. How can we glorify God? We glorify God by enjoying Him, loving Him, trusting Him, and by obeying His will, commands, and law. At some point, I'm thinking, I was just thinking, this isn't going to work. Like this review at the beginning. We're not going to be able to do, you know, 48 questions. So, we'll figure that out. And finally, question seven, let's say it together, and then we'll see if any kiddos want to do it. Question seven, what does the law of God require? Personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. That we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done. Okay, any volunteers? Let's say it together one more time. What does the law of God require? Personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. That we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done. Okay, so hopefully we're doing what what we should be doing, making the most of this during the week as we talk about it in the week before, and not just memorizing it, but but thinking about it. So what we said last week, and is obvious in this, is that the standard, the standard is very high. Personal obedience. Perfect obedience. Ongoing, perpetual obedience. That we love God. That we love God how much? That we love Him with all of our heart. With all of our soul. With all of our mind. With all of our strength. That we love our neighbor. How much? That we love our neighbor as much as... Someone added that. It was good. That we love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. And then there's this zero tolerance. Zero tolerance for sin. What God forbids should never be done. And what God commands should always be done. So the Christian, out of a heart of gratitude, says... That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to glorify God through that kind of obedience. I want to love God and honor God through that kind of obedience. And though we fail every day, it's our joy to strive. So let's move on to question number eight. If you thought last week was long, this one's really long. I had to change like all the font sizes just to fit on the screen. What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? Now, a lot of these are familiar. A lot of these are familiar because for most of you. So it should it should come back to you. But let me let me read it out loud. What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? You should have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day 
by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. And the kids can memorize the whole thing except for the qualification to the second commandment there. That you shall not make for yourself an idol. So these are the Ten Commandments, obviously. You read about them in Exodus chapter 20. They're also repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. We'll go through them briefly. Let me begin by reading a portion of the commentary from John Yates that was used in the new, along with the New City Catechism. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The last six commandments deal with our relationship to others. So some of you have heard that or noticed that before. We're to love God and we're to love our neighbors. We just learned that in the previous question. Love God, love your neighbors. And the first four of the Ten Commandments have to do with our relationship to God. The next six have to do with our relationship to others. Jesus summarized these commandments in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. These commandments, John Yates says, are our treasure. We cherish them. They are a great gift. A love gift from God. They guide us. They warn us. They protect us. When we keep them, we show others what God is like. When we fail to live them, We bring great harm to ourselves and we dishonor our maker. So that's important to remember the heart of these commandments. They're not arbitrary. They're not arbitrary commandments. These commandments are good for us. If we're going to enjoy this life and bring honor to God, then it's necessary that we live a life that is under these commandments that seeks to follow them. And whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, if you disobey these commandments, right, these are universal laws. If you disobey these commandments, it won't it won't go well for you. Your life ultimately will not go well for you. So these commandments are it's not just God right, being some sort of killjoy, which is the perception of many. And he just has all these rules and all these regulations because his whole point is to squash your joy and to squash your fun and to make sure you just understand who's boss. That's not exactly the heart of God's law and God's commandments. That wouldn't be anything to delight in. So there's this gratitude because of what God has done for us. So we want to obey him, even if it was arbitrary. We just we want to obey him. We want to please him. But then there's this reality that they're not arbitrary. The same is true for you parents and, and kids. Right? You have, you have rules, hopefully in your, hopefully in your home. Uh, hopefully for your family. Hopefully you don't have too many rules. But the rules that you do have, right, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be arbitrary. It, it shouldn't just be, well, that's just how it is because that's the way I want it to be. You know, uh, dad said so, mom said so. I mean, there may be moments where you say that to your kids because, you know, you don't need to give them a full explanation every time you give them an instruction. But there's a reason behind the rules you have. There's reasons behind all the instructions that you give them. They're not arbitrary. Well, the same is true with the Ten Commandments. 
These are good for us. So let's go through them real quick. I, I have a handout. Could I have a couple people to just be willing to get these to everybody? Josh, I'm going to give you half, and I'll give Mr. Balser half. Thanks, Greg. This is a little printout from Ligonier Ministries, which uh, the late R.C. Sproul started. And this is a, a short article on the second commandment. So give that to you to read. Quite honestly, the second commandment has been the most difficult for me to understand over the years. Um, even more honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure I understand it yet. Uh, still, let's say I'm still trying to settle on what the second commandment is, is saying. But this article gives some general truth that I think is helpful. So that's just for you to read. That's just for you to read on your own. So let's go through these quickly. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. This was when the when the when these commandments were given to God's people. Remember, people had a sense that there was a God, there was a higher power, just like people do today. God put eternity in the hearts of men. So other peoples were coming up with their own ideas of who that higher power must be or what that God or gods who they must be. And most of them were polytheistic, which means they believed in a lot of different gods. So this was very unique, right? The truth that there is only one God. Deuteronomy 6, 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay, there's one God. So this is exclusive covenant loyalty. That first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Deuteronomy 4.35 says the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Okay, commandment two, as it's stated in the catechism. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. So again, Egypt and Canaan had images, carved images, that they either worshipped the images themselves or they worshipped their gods through those images. Now, we don't have as, I don't think, we don't have as many people around us today worshiping idols in that way. But we still, all of us, can easily fall into idol worship where something takes the place of God. Well, one of the big problems with this Specifically now thinking about the Israelites. And again, I'm still working through how this applies today. But one of the big problems for God's people, as they were among many other people who were worshiping false gods and carving idols and worshiping those idols, there would be a temptation for God's people to also 
not worship those gods, but to worship their God in the same way by having some sort of image that they would have to represent him. Well, the problem with that is that God is spirit. God is spirit. God has no physical form. And so we must worship him. Jesus comes back to this. We must worship him not in image or through an image, but we worship him. Do you remember what he told the woman at the well? We must worship him in spirit and in truth. So maybe that article will be helpful for you too. Third, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. That's a good, all-encompassing, all the things that we might do that we should not do. We should not misuse the name of the Lord. This is from the ESV Study Bible. If you have an ESV Study Bible, um, I think the commentary that they give, the real short commentary on the Ten Commandments is really good, really helpful. So here's what it says about this uh, third commandment. Taking the Lord's name in vain refers primarily to someone taking a deceptive oath in God's name or invoking God's name to sanction an act in which the person is being dishonest. So doing anything, especially doing bad things and saying, I swear to God, I'm going to do this. It also bans using God's name in magic or... This is from Leviticus 24. Or using God's name irreverently. Irreverently or disrespectfully. The Lord revealed his name to Moses and he has continued to identify himself in connection with his acts on Israel's behalf. Yahweh is warning Israel against using his name as if it were disconnected from his person, presence and power. So in our house, I have a real problem if my kids say, oh, my God. And I know, right, what do I allow them to say? Yeah, oh, my gosh, I know that's that's weird, too. Right. And I don't even I don't even I don't even know what that means. But usually when that's used, it's used, oh, my God. It's usually used flippantly. It's usually used irreverently. It's usually used without giving it any thought. Now, sometimes it it may be, it may be, it may be something significant has happened and it is like a, oh, my God. Like personally, oh, my God, what is happening or what's no problem with that. But we're just quick to say things like, oh, my God. What do you mean by that? Why are you invoking God's name right now? Is that is that appropriate? Is it appropriate to, you know, to to. Invoke God's name when you stub your toe? Well, I'll leave you to wrestle that one out. Question four. Or not question four. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Here's again from the ESV commentary. Israel is to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The Lord had already begun to form the people's life in the rhythm of working for six days, Exodus 20, and resting on the seventh day as a Sabbath through the instructions for collecting manna. Here the command is grounded further in the way that it imitates the Lord's pattern in creation. 
Every aspect of Israel's life is to reflect that the people belong to the Lord and are sustained by His hand. The weekly pattern of work and rest is to be a regular and essential part of this. Moses gives another reason for observing the day. It recalls their redemption from slavery and Egypt. There's places we could go in the New Testament as well where Jesus refers to the Sabbath and what it's for and who it's for. So this is a commandment in the Bible. This is a commandment that that I would say has not been abolished. So we need to make sure that we work that out, that we remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, that there is a weekly, at the very least, and some are more strict on this, but at the very least, there is a weekly significant rhythm of work and rest. Where we step back from our work and we stop worrying and fretting and stressing, even though those extra eight hours of work would really help pay the bills. But we stop because we know that God is in control. We know that God loves us. We know that God is taking care of us. And we know that He is glorified through our rest and through our gratitude. So time must be set aside for that. So one of the things that I would encourage us to do this week as we're memorizing these commandments and thinking about them is is really what, what does obeying these commandments look like practically in my life? What does this practically look like in my life? Having no other gods, no idols, not taking God's name in vain, using it inappropriately, observing the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I think that might be one you could have the most interesting conclusions about. Not murder, not coveting, not we'll go on. But to think about what these practically are going to look like as you obey them. Honor your father and your mother. Did I skip one? No, that's command five. Honor your father and mother. Is that for kids only? No. So here we go. We start thinking about the implications of this, right? No. Honor your father and mother. That is a commandment for all of us. Now, my mom and dad are both dead. Can I still honor my mom and dad? Yeah. Absolutely. Even still, right? I am under this commandment that I must honor my mom and dad. Here's the ESV study Bible again. The word honor means to treat someone with the proper respect due to the person and their role. With regards to parents, this means, here's some practical applications, treating them with deference, providing for them and looking after them in their old age. Both Jesus, and if you want to look at the ESV Study Bible, you have scripture references for all these. Both Jesus and Paul underline the importance of this command. This is the only one of the Ten Commandments with a specific promise attached to it. You remember that? Honor your father and mother that your days may be long, meaning not just a long life, but one that is filled with God's presence and favor. Sixth Commandment. Seventh commandment and eighth commandment, you shall not murder. We know what that means. 
You shall not commit adultery. We know what that means. You shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not give false testimony. Even more specific than lying here. Acting as a false witness suggests a legal trial in which false testimony could lead to punishment for one's neighbor. Bearing false witness is condemned in Scripture for its disastrous effects among people and its utter disregard for God's character. The Lord's righteousness and justice were to be reflected in Israel's life as a nation, which was thus to exclude speaking falsely, especially for the sake of gaining something at the expense of another person and perverting justice. And then finally, you shall not covet. You shall not covet. You shall not want what's not yours. You shall not want what somebody else has that you do not have. Sometimes I think that's, that's almost seen as a virtue in America. Coveting. Wanting what you don't have. And then a spin is put on that. Because that motivates you. That motivates you to be independent. That motivates you to work hard. That motivates you to pursue your dreams and your visions and all that. But we need to be careful. So I'll close with reading the commentary on you shall not covet. While the previous four commandments focus on actions committed or words spoken... The Tenth Commandment warns against allowing the heart to covet anything that is your neighbor's. When a person covets what's happening, he allows the desire for that which is coveted to govern his relationship with other people. This may become the motivation for murder, stealing, or lying, either to attain the desired thing or to keep it from someone else. Because of the way that coveting values a particular thing over trust in and obedience to the Lord as the provider, it is also a breach of the first commandment, which the Apostle Paul makes clear when he refers to coveting as idolatry in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 5. Okay, anybody ready to do it from memory? All right. Josh? <laughs> Question eight. What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? Let's say it once together, and then I'll close in prayer. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you've told us in your word that you have written your law on our hearts. You have given us a conscience as believers, especially that is sensitive to what pleases you and what does not please you. And so God, motivated by your love for us and your saving us, it is now our heart's desire to please you. As a, a child wants to please his loving father. So help us, God, in this to please you. Help us to walk in the way of your word. Help us to be obedient children. God, thank you for the promises that you give us that ultimately, as we love you and obey you, that it will go well for your people. So help us, we pray in Jesus name. Amen.